I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a little bit of news to talk about in the Wisconsin volleyball circuit. They're, of course, the number one seed in the NCAA tournament, so that should be uh, fun to get to watch them. I know there's been some times this year where we haven't been able to, but the NCAA tournament is right around the corner, and they look like they are primed for a deep run uh, in that, hopefully uh, similar to last year and in getting over that final hump in the national championship game that way. After that, We'll talk, uh, we've got a whole host of stuff to talk about in, in terms of spring football. The spring roster was released, which is always exciting. I know we were kind of waiting on that. There's some news in the quarterback room that I think is significant. There's lots of, you know, weight changes, position changes, some guys not on the roster, which are kind of surprised. So kind of a recap of the first week of spring practices is kind of what we're looking at here today, of course, with the, um, only one episode last week, we got a good amount to get to and kind of recap that first week. So it was a, uh, a nice week um, of low time, but also it would be nice to get back in and discuss some of these, these things because I think they're significant um, in the long term of Wisconsin football. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's it's awesome to have spring football around, that it's actually happening this year, and it seems like just little snippets here and there that we're finding out through the interviews and just on social media and whatnot, and hopefully there'll be more action here coming forward as well. I know we've been putting a bunch of the photos, kind of rolling them out on the Instagram page, so go check out Bucky's Fifth Quarter on Instagram if you want to go ahead and see some of the practice photos that we have uh, action to. There you go. It's exciting times for, for Wisconsin football fans. I know um, you know, in the you, sometimes you look at spring practice, you don't know how significant it is, but I think it's it's especially huge this year, just given everything that's gone on with last year. All the you know the, the younger guys trying to get ready. You've got some early enrollees. You've got young guys that played a lot last year that are getting um, some significant reps. So it's a really important time in the world of college football. So that should be fun to to dive into for sure. Uh, to start things out though, we'll, we'll let's touch on volleyball before we get into the football. Um, of course, Wisconsin Volleyball, Big Ten Champs, number one seed in the NCAA tournament. So they'll actually have a bye in the first round. I believe um, it's a little different this year versus 
in past years, it's normally 64 teams. Um, they'll have a bye. They'll take on the winner of Weber State and Bowling Green. So uh, I'm really excited to see what this team can do in the NCAA tournament. Like I said earlier, they've been so fun to watch, and they've been so really dominant anytime they've been on the court. Um, of course, they've had the COVID pauses, which have been um, you know, not necessarily them. It's been a lot of the opponents, um, you know, struggling to with COVID cases that way. But when Wisconsin volleyball has been playing, they've been as good as advertised. So hopefully they can get into this NCAA tournament and make a deep run. But what did you make of, of them seeding? Any real surprises there? I mean, they've been really number one um, all season long. Yeah, I mean, they've been dominant. They've only dropped three sets the entire frippin' year. So it's it's not like there's any questions about how talented this team is. I didn't know if maybe they would get docked just because they've really only played thir- 13 times this year. They got the two um, forfeits from Northwestern. But really, you even just past weekend, I guess late last week against Michigan, it was it was more the same, them just completely – owning everything, doing what they need to do. Now the major question is, does their lack of games played, their, really their lack of any adversity all season long hurt them when it comes to tournament time, when you're playing some some better teams? I know the Big Ten is, is really talented, but you look at a lot of their games that were canceled, it were against some of the best teams in the conference. Uh, you look at teams like Nebraska, one of their games against uh, Minnesota, Penn State, like those were some of the better teams that they would have been going up against in conference. They didn't have the opportunity to see them. So I think just making sure that they're able to kind of power through adversity, not get too down if if another team comes out hot uh, early in a, in a, a match. But I, I think overall it, it should be – uh, that fans should be very excited about this group because they're very talented, very deserving, and and I don't think it was necessarily a surprise that they were picked to be the number one seed. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with you. This is a team that's got a lot of talent. They've played, and, and I think going off of that, you know, how will they be battle-tested, quote-unquote? I think, thankfully, for this team, they've got some players. Of course, there's some newer um, faces in the rotation that way, but for the most part, a lot of these players have played a lot of big volleyball games over the past couple of years, so... I think that's really important as they try and make a deep run here, um, you know, in the NCAA tournament. I'm looking forward to watching them. I know this this winter, spring kind of weird season, you know, was of course different. You had women's hockey that played so well up to the end. You had men's hockey that kind of fell um, a little bit at the end, of course, um, losing in the first round. So now you've got you know, Wisconsin volleyball that can hopefully kind of continue what appeared to be, you know, uh, you know, of course, men's hockey ended up losing those last two games and kind of be a struggle, but really for these three teams, they were powerhouses throughout their regular season. So now it's time to see what this team can do in, in the postseason. And I think they're going to be really strong and hopefully they can make a run. I'd love for them to get back, of course, to that national title game and, and get over that hump. I know that uh, the Stanford game kind of sticks out as um, a, a sore spot for, for some players, but at the same time, they, they got to that, that game and that spot and hopefully they can get back there and uh, bring it home this time because this team's Unbelievably talented. Now it's just time to see what they can do in uh, in this weird, um, little bit different NCAA tournament. Yeah, for sure. Wisconsin's got a lot of experience right behind them uh, in this tournament, and I think that should help them a lot because you looked at a, a big reason why they lost to Stanford last year was Stanford had so much experience, had obviously a, a super phenomenal player in in her own right, but but really I think this team is is poised to make a deep run, and hopefully they can paved their way all the way through the national title, which would be super exciting and, and something that I think most Badger fans would, would be ecstatic about. 
Yeah, looking forward to to watching that for sure. So for those of you that don't know, the uh, Badgers will take on the winner, like I said, of Bowling Green Weber State on 4:15 at 6 p.m. Central Time. So it should be a fun tournament to watch uh, as the as the Wisconsin volleyball season gets into uh, tournament play that way. All right, let's get into the the bulk of the episode now. Spring football, uh, of course, we uh, got that got underway this past week. Um, really some big things kind of happened. I think the main start of it was, of course, the spring roster getting released. Um, few names that weren't on there. Maybe we can start there. Taj Musafa, Boys Decent, Aaron Vopel no longer on the roster. Those guys are not in the transfer portal, so we're wishing them the best of luck, whatever plans they have moving forward. But what did you make of, of those three not being on there? Because I think aside from you always look for the same names when someone's missing, that's kind of the first thing. You know that I kind of notice when you go through that roster is is who's just no longer there. Yeah, and and I mean Aaron Vopel is a guy who's never really been able to crack uh, a spot in the rotation. Whether it was on the defensive line where he started, offensive line, it seemed like it just kind of never gelled. He was he came in with a as, as part of a really big offensive line class, and he kind of got buried with some of the other names. But then Boyd Dietzen was a guy who you saw him in the two deep. You saw him earn playing time early, in, fairly early in his career, and, and then just never materialized. Taj Mustafa, a, a guy, perfect one-for-one one touchdown record and in his one reception from Danny Vandenboom. But, but really, you look at him, he was a kid that redshirted his freshman year after playing in, in the first couple games. But then we never never heard from him, and um, it appeared as it appeared as though consistency issues were the biggest thing for him. Uh, and and really, um, these three guys are um, going to be missed because they're part of the bad family. But really, all three of them weren't really looking to potentially make an impact this year. So I think it's almost in the best of both worlds, where hopefully these guys can find a different home. Maybe. I know they're not in the portal yet, but maybe you looking at after they finish up this spring that they're looking in the summer or um, if they just kind of pursue whatever careers beyond that. But the Badgers get three extra scholarships that I'm sure they used for this really big class that just came in, including the the seven uh, early enrollees. Yeah, it was certainly significant. And you talk about a guy like, you know, you mentioned Boyd Dietzen and, and Taj Mustafa, guys that have played a little bit but just never really panned out and, and you know getting a little bit of action here and there maybe they expected more coming in just never really got to playing at that level and you look at the positions that they're at there's a lot of talented athletes uh, in there already so it's it's kind of a mixture of everything going on for for those guys where maybe the playing time just wasn't there it wasn't panning out the way they wanted to got kind of bypassed by some younger guys on that roster and then just uh I don't. I think sometimes you have to look at the writing on the wall. If you're a player at that level, you know just whether you're you, you've got it, you don't got it. Are you going to be out there? Is the is there a path for you to get there? And if not, um, you know what do you want to do with your time? Do you want to just put put all that effort into maybe not play very much or, or not? So I can totally understand whatever the situation is for both of those guys. But uh, you know the the opening up the roster, it certainly makes sense. You've got some more spots. You mentioned the big class, so it all kind of works out. But uh, it's always unfortunate when you see when when somebody possibly hangs it up. Of course, we don't know the full situation there, but uh, it's it's definitely significant. Yeah, and it's and it's further that that 2018 recruiting class has now lost quite a few guys. 
When you look at it, you see Nakia Watson's gone, Crickshank's gone, Beetson's gone, you've got um, Reggie Pearson gone, you've got Taj Mustafa gone, you're, you're looking at Mason Platter was barely on campus ever. So there's some some remnants. I, I should say Rashad Wild Goose is off to the NFL. So that's that class was, was kind of a mixed bag like many of them are. But a, that group right now is kind of in a, a make-or-break territory overall. If you haven't made an impact, they're getting kind of at that point where some of the younger guys are, are going to be passing you up if you don't. So it, it makes sense for all three of these guys. Like you said, the writing was on the wall, I feel, um, at, at this juncture if they weren't already seeing playing time. Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of the the big, you know, we've, we've talked about it a couple times and you kind of mentioned it time and time again. With these stronger recruiting classes, some of these guys are ready to go, you know, when they step on campus. So it, it doesn't matter really the age. You know, Wisconsin's at a level right now in terms of recruiting. It doesn't matter the year that you're at. Um, if you're ready to play, you're going to be out on the field, especially when you look at, you know, a guy, especially on the defensive side, it seems like Jim Leonard, if a guy's ready to go, he's going to be out there. And if he's someone that Jim Leonard trusts, he's going to be out there and playing. So it's, it makes the competition that much better, but sometimes you get these situations where some of these guys just kind of, it doesn't pan out and, and maybe you see the writing on the wall and, and move on to another venture. So all three of them, you, you definitely wish them the best of luck um, in whatever they get into in the next step of, of their lives and in their career that way. Moving on down here in terms of the spring roster, I think after you look at who's missing, I think the next thing I always look at is the weight changes. Um, of course, guys you know, putting on some weight. If anyone's losing some weight, there was definitely some some, some significant ones. Jalen Franklin at tight end, I believe, put on 15. You know, you had a bunch of offensive linemen, Ben Barton, Cormac Sampson, putting on weight. Um, you know, a couple of the heavier guys, Caden Lyles, losing some weight. So what really stood out to you in terms of weight changes on the roster? Well, outside of the Badgers, probably having the heaviest quarterback in the entire Big Ten at 250-some-odd <laughs> pounds in Daniel Wright. But I, I think, really, you look at some of the younger guys who came on campus, didn't get the full um, assortment of an off season the last two seasons. Uh, a guy like Titus Toller, ad- adding eight pounds is big. Aaron Witt, up another eight pounds. That's that's huge for them. Uh, but then you, you see a guy like Caden Johnson, who's pretty light at 227, up to 240, giving him, giving him a better chance at playing. You mentioned Franklin, even a guy like Isaac Arendo, who's, who's dealt with injury issues throughout his career, maybe some added weight. He added nine pounds can help him out in, to, to stay on the field. Um, the other thing is the Chanel boys are just continuing to get bigger. <laughs> They're both at like 255, 250. 257 in that range. So, man, I can't imagine uh, when they go home and have to eat. That has got to be crazy. <laughs> but they are they are phenomenally strong, and you you just have to hope that um, that maybe uh, Leo doesn't necessarily slow down a little bit here because at that inside linebacker spot, we talked about that he was kind of a step behind sometimes at getting to the quarterback when he was so close. Hopefully that doesn't uh, slow him down further. But overall, I, th- I think you mentioned the offensive line. A lot of the young guys went up in weight. A lot of the older guys kind of either plateaued or, or went down, which I think is good. I d- you don't necessarily need Caden Lyles being 330, 340 some odd pounds. And that's part of the reason that he dealt with some injuries. So lots of, lots of movement, but I do think that overall it looks, it looks pretty good. 
Yeah, I, I think a lot of the changes are, you know, are beneficial for a lot of these guys. You know, you talk about the wear and tear of a full Big Ten season. It, it's a lot to, I, I'd have to imagine, a lot to put on your body. Um, so you want to be at that right weight. It makes a big difference, uh, especially at some of those physical positions. You're talking, you know, the linebacker position, tight end. I mean, football's a, a physical game in general, but uh, the offensive line, those guys get bigger and beefier, but also some of them kind of drop it down. It seems like Wisconsin, you know, I know Owen mentioned this in his kind of recap and write-up, is is trying to focus their offensive line kind of in that sweet spot of big but also athletic. I mean, uh, of course, even the guys of the past that were, three, you know, 370, 380 guys that were, that were out there were still athletic, but you're trying to find that perfect sweet spot of big enough but also athletic enough. I think you saw that a lot with the offensive line, either gaining weight to get to that you know, 300 to 325 to 330 range or dropping weight so you're lean enough to be able to move quickly. I mean, the athletes on the defensive side of the ball for some of these teams are insane, so you've got to be able to keep in front of them, keep up with them. So I think that was one thing that really stood out for me in terms of the weight changes was them kind of continuing to see that trend of getting in that range. And then the linebackers, you know, you mentioned Chanel, both of them getting bigger um, is, is significant. So I, I think a lot of the weight changes, you looked at it and you said you were happy with, I think, where everybody's at. There was no one, I think, that I looked and I don't think anyone looked and saw a big concern in terms of weight gain or, or loss that way. I think everything was pretty much beneficial to, to what it seems like Wisconsin football as a program wants to get to. For sure. And I, and I think two specific guys that I, that I think if we wanted to focus in on are Cormac Sampson and Bryson Williams. Their weight shifts are, are pretty noteworthy. Sampson obviously played uh, as a reserve offensive lineman, uh, played tight end two years ago, but, but really made the switch to, to interior offensive lineman. And he's now up over 300 pounds, which I think gives him a, a much better shot of, of earning potentially even a starting role inside because he is a really athletic kid. And, and could help them out, whether it be at center or a guard position. And then Bryson Williams dropping a bunch of weight down to about that 280 level, I think is probably uh, insight into the fact that he's not going to be necessarily playing a traditional nose um, like Keanu Benton will be. Uh, we know how big and physical Benton is. Bryson Williams maybe gives them a little bit of versatility to, to, to pop along the offensive line a little bit more. Now that he has experience, they're a little uh, lighter on terms of bodies at, along the defensive line with two of their longtime starters gone. So maybe William, Bryson Williams is a kid who's going to have more playing time this year, assuming he stays healthy. And and I, I feel like he was talking about it even today in, in the interviews that he feels better. He, he feels like he's quicker. He, he seem, feels like he's going to be able to make an impact this year which I think would definitely help the Badgers in depth along the defensive line. Yeah, I think that, you know, the the depth of that position is, is going to be important. I mean, you look at even, you know, going off of that, Matt Henningsen is going to be back for the spring. He put on some weight as well, so that's important. You, but on the flip side, you've got James Thompson, who's not going to be available for the spring. So the more that they've got some of these guys out there and able to go and, and feeling good, I think is important for – um, the defensive end, defensive line position. Of course, you're going to have Keanu Benton out there a bulk of the time, but if you had some flexibility with a guy like Bryson Williams that he can kind of pop around, I think that gives you a little bit more on that defensive line in terms of flexibility, what you want to do, depending on you know, the down distance situation like that. So you know, Bryson Williams coming in when he started at Wisconsin was supposed to be this big, 
a really strong player, and I think we've seen glimpses of it. So if he can be out there and be really healthy to give Wisconsin that kind of flex defensive lineman is going to be huge Um, because he's got all the talent. It's just been a a little bit of a battle for him trying to get on the field and and stay on the field. So um, a guy like him, you know, in terms of flexibility that way, I think will be huge. So that defensive line position, we talked about a little bit how significant that room will be with the departures of Loudermilk and Rand, you know, seeing some of these guys kind of step up and and talk about how they're feeling is is certainly um, an important thing to note in the spring practice and in what we've had so far. Yeah, no doubt. Um, another thing that's always um, topical at this time is, is early enrollees. Wisconsin brought in seven. You could really say they have six, and then Duncan McKinley, who who is a kind of a gray shirt guy who um, joined the team later than when he was traditionally going to be coming out of high school. But any of those guys, their sizes, whether it be height, weight, really jump out to you? I mean, I think it's important to kind of note all of those guys when they're coming in, you know, where they're at. And it's always fun to see, you know, I know Owen called it the fresh meat that way and, and where they're at um, in terms of just kind of getting the first glimpse of them. I mean, we've talked about it before. Um, you, you know, you mentioned Caden Johnson up 13 pounds. I think that was the one um, that, that kind of stuck out to me in terms of he's not, of course, an early role, enrollee, but then you go off of that TJ Bowlers. Um, 258, kind of in that nice t- spot in terms of size at that outside linebacker position. Jack Pugh, 6'5", 229. It seems like the the guys that they're getting at that tight end room are just just huge dudes. It, it, keep get them, keep get them. But at 6'5", 230, um, you're you're really seeing some significant size that way. So a lot of these guys are, I think, at where you want to be. And I don't know if you can necessarily say right now in terms of, of where they're at based on size, um, in terms of what they're going to be earlier in their career, if they're going to jump onto the field. I mean, maybe a guy like TJ Bowlers, if he was just coming in, let his hair on fire, could could make an impact right away. But for the most part, it's just nice to see kind of the baseline of this group and where they'll be at as they move forward and kind of develop into what Wisconsin football tries to, tries to get them to um, in terms of size and weight and athleticism. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jekku is definitely going to redshirt at 2.30. He's probably not going to be playing a whole bunch of tight end, which makes sense because most tight ends don't play right away as is. But I thought the size, Mike Jarvis coming in at 6'4", 272 mm-hmm. is really good. I think he he's a kid we had on the podcast and he was talking about how he was trying to get bigger, um, but that he really relies on his quickness. So to, if he can keep that quickness at 272, continue to add weight, um, He's a guy who I think could could really make an impact, not necessarily this year, but down the line. And then I thought the thing that jumped out to me outside of TJ Bowlers, like you already mentioned, was was Al Ashford. It's nice to see cornerbacks that the, the full on six foot. Um, a lot of times you you see that they're listed at six foot, and then the media guide hits and they're five ten, and uh, that's a pretty huge difference when it comes to being a cornerback. And and he's a kid who was uh, a kind of an obscure ad because he kind of came out of nowhere, but at six mm-hmm. foot eight, 180 pounds, he's got good size that hopefully gives him a shot to, to make a big impact later on as well. Yeah. And the other one kind of going off that as well is, is Riley Mallman, six, eight, um, 289. It's going to be interesting to see where he gets to. I think if you look at from where he's at right now into the, the next spring football season, I think will be significant to watch because of course he's got that big frame you're trying to, to maybe put some weight on. We talked about the offensive line already. So 
it's nice to just kind of see where these early enrollees are at, kind of get the the first glimpse of these young guys. It's so exciting. Like I said, you you follow them for years in terms of recruiting, and then you, of course, they make that commitment. You kind of get um, to know a lot of these names. So to finally get your first crack at seeing them you know, on the roster and out there um, in Wisconsin football pads and helmet is always an exciting time. So I'm looking forward to seeing what this young group can do um, in terms of the enrollees. In terms of position changes, there really wasn't a whole lot. I believe at least the one that I noted was Preston Zachman um, going from inside linebacker to safety. Anything um, there? I mean, guess not really surprised you given Reggie Pearson um, the departure of him. Need a little bit more depth at that safety position. What did you make of, of that and, and that sort of change? I, I like it. He he was a kid out of high school that was a – was a kind of, it wasn't a late ad, but he was a kid who just came in um, with with an ability to play multiple positions, and they weren't totally sure where they were going to play him, whether it was outside, inside, safety. Um, but at 6'2", a little over 200 pounds, I think him moving to that strong safety role would make a ton of sense. And and I think you look at the glut of inside linebackers that they have, um, and they even brought in more later, later, late last year in the recruiting cycle. So I think it makes a ton of sense to to push him back to safety, given his athleticism, what he can do. I, I think he he's a type of kid that ends up being a multi-year starter at safety to help this team out. I don't know if that's necessarily the case this these upcoming years, just because you also have a kid like Hunter Waller coming in. But, but I do think you think of how Wisconsin has traditionally done with some of their safeties and some of the – the progressions that guys have gone through, and, and he fits that mold as somebody who just a really good athlete that can play multiple positions, winds up at safety, um, and and I think it's it's a good move, especially for uh, roster dynamics and trying to keep everything level and giving him the best chance to play. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense. You're going to look for some depth in in that safety room. Uh, like I said, you've got the the Pearson departure, got Wohler coming in. Braylon Allen almost looks like he could be sliding into that linebacker spot. I mean, if you've seen some of his highlight tapes coming out these last couple of weeks, he's just absolutely, you know, decking people and, and laying poor high school kids out. So he could be maybe, you know, if you were looking at the crystal ball of, of the safety position and you thought maybe Braylon Allen was going to be back there, maybe that changes, which kind of also, you know, makes a move for, for Preston Zachman to move as well. So all these dynamics, uh, kind of go into play as you look at where you have the best fit to get your guys on the field. I mean, if Reston Zachman's, you, know, you mentioned, he's a very good athlete, can play in multiple positions. If you can get him on the field at a different spot, you know, you, you're great. So I think it all kind of goes into there, but I think it's a wise move. You you need some depth of that safety position. You've got some young guys coming in, but uh, a guy like him that has, has played, or of course been in the system now, not played on the field, but uh, is, is going to be important to have um, you know, in the rotation that way to learn under Jim Leonard and, and kind of get a grasp of the defense as a whole. Yeah, I, I think he, he's he's the type of kid that I think could could really benefit from that shift. And and Wisconsin didn't make a lot of shifts this uh, this off season just because a lot of these guys this is their f- first camp. The number of players who haven't gone through a camp before is pretty staggering. But I think it's it's really going to be an important time um, this this spring. Yeah, that that's a great point. I mean, there's not you don't want to move guys before they get kind of their their first chance that way. So, 
talked about early enrollees. We talked about um, the weight changes, position changes. I think that's pretty much everything in terms of the roster. Um, I think the next thing to kind of get into was, of course, the the quarterbacks discussion. Um, they spoke to the the media. The big news was really that Graham Mertz was dealing with a shoulder injury much of last season, receiving cortisone shots during the week. I think when you look at you know, now knowing that and kind of looking back, and I know Graham Mertz is he said himself, you know, that's not an excuse for losing games. I get all that, and I'm not going to sit here and, and be a Graham Mertz apologist. I I know. Um, I'm a, a big fan of the kid and I think he'll be really good at Wisconsin, but I think that makes a huge impact in terms of a quarterback having a shoulder injury. So I know he wants to kind of shrug it off and say it wasn't as big deal, didn't impact him in, in the losses that much, but I think that's probably, you know, him just being generous to, to where he's at. So what did you make of that announcement and, and that kind of trickling out, um, in, in terms of the way last season kind of went? It makes a ton of sense. In, in in terms of how we what we saw from game one to really the rest of the season, but um, like you mentioned, we don't want to be an apologist. But at the same time, when you add this on that he's taking cortisone shots midweek, uh, leading into pretty much most of the games all season long after that Illinois game, you look at the number of injuries and players who were unavailable around him and the weaponry that he had um, to use, and the fact that because of that. He threw it 41 times against one of the best defenses in the country against Northwestern, 34 times against Indiana, one of the best defenses in the country, and against Iowa, one of the best defensive defenses in the country. He threw it 38 times, and he, he wasn't exactly set up for success and and was dealing with that. So I think you look at it, and um, he, he needs to play better. He's, he's This is a big offseason for him to to really make sure that he's got everything down and and that he can manage the offense and run it because Wisconsin's probably going to have to pass it more than they normally do. Um, I don't know if they necessarily want to throw it 41 times into the teeth of a Northwestern defense, but at the same time, he's talented and he needs to play better. And hopefully that means he's healthy because it, it was it was not great at times last year, but at the same time he was dealing with with it seems like a lot at this point. Yeah, I think um, you hit the nail on the head there. There was a lot of outside factors. I know he thinks he can play better, and he certainly can, but there was a lot that, that kind of went into uh, everything that was going on. I mean, you talk about the injuries to himself, the receiving core, the the offense that kind of seemed to be a little bit in shambles at times, you know, running over to the sideline to get the play. Just everything kind of just seemed to be a perfect storm in terms of a mess, but no one wants to lose football games, but if there's a year to kind of do that and, and have that, it was last year. It was a weird year already with COVID. So um, hopefully things will, again, get back to normal um, for the quarterback room, for Graham Mertz, for the offense that way, and, um, you know, they'll come out clicking. Um, I know injuries happen, and that's part of the game, but I think that's a significant step. When you're trying to develop as a quarterback and you've also got to deal with, um, you know, an injury that way, that that can't be easy. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that he comes out and is healthy because, yeah, like you mentioned, this team's probably going to throw it a little bit more. You talk about the running backs on the roster. They don't have a ton of depth there. You, you've got a strong quarterback that you feel confident in. You've got a good uh, receiving core. So I, I think that could certainly be in play as the Badgers uh, move into this year. But hopefully hopefully to start, you know, that's still a little bit a ways away, but hopefully he's just kind of getting back to being healthy. I know he mentioned also that the game is slowing down, so I think that's important for for his growth and maturity, but uh, yeah, definitely significant news in the Graham merch department. 
Yeah, it's 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 definitely major news. Um, jumping from today in terms of meeting with the coaches, it was the defensive line, and the the talk was Rodas Johnson. So that was that's exciting. A, a young defensive end, six two two eighty, on the the most recent uh, roster out of Ohio, and he was a kid who came in with a, a lot of pomp and circumstance, pretty highly rated recruit who was was sought after by multiple really good schools and. The Badgers landed him. He hasn't really done a lot so far on campus, but the the idea that he's making noise right now and could really give them a, a boost in terms of the depth there is, I think, highly notable, and, and hopefully he can get into the rotation and help them out this year. Yeah, that would be, a I think, a huge get. I mean, you look at him in terms of his recruitment. He was a four-star recruit by ESPN and Rivals, so three-star, 247, but a guy that, you know, Coming out of the state of Ohio, significant player that um, you seem to make an impact. Of course, you hadn't really seen it from him quite yet. But at a position we've already kind of talked about on defensive line where they're, I don't want to say they're thin, because I think they've got plenty of able bodies there that are good. But if you can get a guy um, like Rodas Johnson that is elevating his game and giving you even more um, and being really a, a productive player in the rotation, I think that's huge. Because there's a lot of talented guys on that defensive line and you, you, of course, got your anchor and probably your best player across the line in Keanu Benton. But if you've got a couple other guys that can, can really give that line a spark, I think that could be really significant to how this position moves forward. Of course, you've got a new position coach. So um, getting that room to, to click and, and kind of fire it on all cylinders would be really important. And then Rodas Johnson would be a nice added layer of depth as they move forward. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that new position coach because obviously Ross Kalaji, really, really uh, uh, prominent guy at Wisconsin. He played in the NFL. He 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 was a, a tremendous player at Wisconsin and, and knows the defensive line well. But this is an opportunity not only on the defensive line but at cornerback, at running back, that some of these guys are getting a fresh start. And so Rodas Johnson, he might not have been doing necessarily the things that Enoke Brechterfield was wanting. But boom, he's got a maybe a, a newfound um, feel for the position and is is really learning under Kalaji Wells. So I think that's something to watch for those three position groups in particular and the quarterbacks because you're going to have um, Paul Christ kind of taking a keen eye to it. But I, I think that's something to to really see is those those three positions can they do that? And if if a guy like Rodas Johnson can help round out their depth chart, I think it would it would go a long way in making sure that. Wisconsin can be the multiple defense they want, whether they want to go two down linemen, three down linemen. Um, um, I know they use the two, four, or five quite a bit, um, but they also will go into the normal three, four. So I think it's it's important to have as much depth as you can. And Rodas Johnson is it seems like the the, the talk of spring so far. Um, it's very early though. Yeah, and that's kind of the significant part is that you move into now, you know, this next week that way, um, and, and hopefully you can continue to see some of these guys continue to emerge, and you kind of get a feel for where some of these guys are at, and then if, if they make an impact and, and kind of get noticed in this uh, spring ball, you might see guys that'll eventually hop into you know a rotation as you get closer to fall um, and into that part of the season. So this is all, again, I think it comes back to spring football just being so important for the development of, of so many players that way. I think the last thing that we didn't touch on, um, Paul Chris spoke to the media before everything got started on Tuesday. Really, I mean, not a lot that you could take from what he said. Uh, most of it was the 
the bingo card of Paul Chris. Thankful for the opportunity. Happy with where guys are at. Um, all the cliches that he normally gets to. But did you take anything um, away from anything that he mentioned on uh, Monday before the start on Tuesday? The only thing that really jumped out to me was him talking about that Travis Frederick, um, one mm-hmm. of the top linemen in the entire NFL, uh, was a big reason why Wisconsin got connected with Gary Brown, which I think was kind of a cool thing. Um, and then the other thing was just that you're not going to have Dean Ingram, James Thompson Jr., um, as much, St- Stephen Bracey, or uh, Stefan Bracey, not as much. So I think those were the kind of the big things to take from him. And then Jim Leonard also spoke, spoke with the media and, and talked about um, wanting to have uh, more to more left on the bone, I guess you could say, at Wisconsin is a big reason why he didn't end up going to Green Bay. Yeah, I think that was all significant. Um, you, you mentioned the, the Travis Frederick stuff. That was, like you said, kind of a, a cool thing to see how that worked out. And who knows? It could really blossom into a, a really good opportunity for Wisconsin. You know, you mentioned, you know, he mentioned that he was really excited and, and that the fact that Gary Brown was available was, was fortunate for them. Um, and hopefully that works out in the, in the running back room. Of course, you've got some younger guys in there looking to learn. Um, and to get a blessing from a guy and, and former Wisconsin great like Travis Frederick, I'm sure went a long ways in the eyes of, of Paul Chris that way. So that was exciting to see, um, as well. But, uh, overall, you know, that kind of rounds out everything that we touched on in terms of spring football in, in this first week. Anything else you want to hit on before we, uh, um, wrap up the football talk? No, I think that pretty much does it with football. I know we've got uh, one mailbag question about basketball we wanted to touch on, but I think football-wise, that's pretty good. I know later on this week we're going to talk uh, about kind of some make-or-break guys that are that are in that precipice of this is this is getting to a point where you got to have a big spring or put together a really nice off-season so you put in some playing time next year, or um, you might have a future that looks similar to a couple of other guys who we noticed weren't on the roster this year. Um, and so hopefully um, a lot of those guys step up and, and can make a big impact this year. Yeah, yeah, that should be a, a fun episode later in the week um, to, to kind of work on that. You're talking about spring football and, and how big of an impact it has. Um, you know, that can be a, a make-or-break situation for a lot of these guys to, to kind of get started. You can make um, some serious inroads for yourself if you jump up and, and have a strong spring. But if you don't, you know, it's times where you can, you know, you've seen it a little bit already. Some guys not on the roster that have kind of been bypassed by younger guys. So that's an interesting exercise that we'll get into um, later this week. But yeah, you had a mailbag question in terms of the state of Ohio and Wisconsin basketball recruiting. Do you want to kind of get into what, um, you know, what the mailbag question was and, and what was kind of noticed with that? Yeah, so got a, got a question. Basically looking at next year's roster and noticed that, hey, with Demetric Trice, who is originally from Ohio, the Badgers don't technically have anybody on the roster coming back that's from the state of Ohio. And, and how a lot of that might stem from Lamont Paris, who was at Wisconsin going ahead and becoming a head coach elsewhere. But Wisconsin had done a lot of damage in the, in the state of Ohio as of recently and, and kind of um, was wondering kind of what's going on there and, and why that might not, that relationship with the state might not be as strong as it used to be. Um, and I think um, a big reason is that, hey, Lamont Paris, he did most of the work in Ohio. Um, but you look at it really, 
um, since 2010, which just to go back to, to kind of recent time here, um, the Badgers brought in uh, six players, but one of them is, is still coming next year because uh, Marcus Dilver is going to be on the Badgers and he's technically went to school in Ohio. Um, but you look at it in Trayvon Jackson, 2011, Nigel Hayes, 2013, Vito Brown, 2013 as well. And then Iverson, 2015, and then Trice in 2016. And that's, that's a big chunk of your roster. That's a lot of mm-hmm. contributors that were helping them out. But I think the biggest reason for, for why Wisconsin ha- isn't necessarily bringing in as many Ohio is, is because you look at the past few classes and it's, Joe Krabenhoff, man. It is, it is all him doing most of the recruiting. Um, you'll see Howard Moore. A lot of, of, a lot of the recruits are also Howard Moore guys. Uh, e- even as, as rec- as recently as, uh, two years ago class and some of this in- unco- incoming guys that Howard Moore had a hand in it. Dean Oliver, in most of the only guys that he's brought in were from Michigan and they're no longer on the program. And then Lauren Bowman, who is going to be on the program next year. So I think you're looking at it as Wisconsin's, the configuration of their coaching staff since Harris left for Chattanooga and Gary Close left, who was the shot doctor for so many years. Um, I think is just a complete change of the complexion of the coaching staff is one reason. And that Krabenhoff does the major lifting for the most part with Greg Gard, and both of them have ties to west of Wisconsin in Minnesota, the Dakotas. Um, you, you've, you've seen even Krabenhoff going down to Nebraska and getting Chucky Hepburn. So I think that's one of the biggest things. And there just isn't necessarily um, a need to pull on some of the the – to be perfectly honest, most of those guys that I mentioned from Ohio didn't have crazy other offers to, to contend with. and Wisconsin was just one of the best offers that they had and won out um, outside of Nigel Hayes, who I think also had Butler and Ohio State in there. Um, but you look at it, and most of Wisconsin's doing now is they're bringing in four-star guys these last couple classes as long as we get away from two really crummy classes. But I think that's the biggest thing is Wisconsin's doing a little bit better on the recruiting front these past couple of years. They've still been recruiting some of these guys, but most of them are going to Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. That's 15 of the last 34 stars or higher from the state of Ohio have gone to those places. And um, the biggest thing, though, is Wisconsin, most of their staff doesn't have connections in Ohio anymore because of Lamont Paris being gone. Yeah, and it's, you've seen it in, you see it in basketball and, uh, in, in football. If you don't have connections to that area, sometimes it's hard to make inroads as you try to, you know, get after some of these players. There's, of course, you know, state ties, regional ties. If you don't have those, that kind of makes it harder for some, uh, to go against, you know, places that do, um, you know, like in Ohio State, Michigan's of the world. So definitely an interesting question that when you look at, you know, the players that have come from the state of Ohio in the past, um, like you mentioned, given significant minutes and time to Wisconsin, but maybe it's just more of, like you said, a, a regional focus and, and them having better success. I mean, in football, it's a little different because you have so many more roster spots. In basketball, you, you've only got a certain number of guys that you can go after and get. And if you're doing something right in certain areas, like you mentioned with Krabenhoff, west of Wisconsin, um, you, maybe you just don't have to, to – there's not as much of a focus in going out and getting there. And, of course, there's some players that will come from that state 
in that region that will be, you know, high significant guys. And if Wisconsin um, feels that they can make a run at it, I, I'm sure they would. But I don't think it's as pressing um, as an issue when you're having such success in some of those other areas. Yeah, for sure. And they're going to have Ilver next year, so they'll still have one Ohio, I mean, quote-unquote native because he's really from Estonia. But um, another thing, I was just doing some deep diving with, with some of this stuff, and um, you look at it, and there's there's a lot of different schools that pull into Ohio for the top kids. You've got Kansas. You've got Duke. You've got Cincinnati, obviously, working in-state. But you've got Louisville. You've got NC State. You've got Indiana, West Virginia, Alabama, North Carolina, Texas, Pittsburgh, Notre Dame, Northwestern. That rounds out all the top uh, four-star and five-star prospects. And there's been – kind of a decrease in the talent in Ohio playing basketball as well, which I think kind of plays into this uh, a bit. So I, I think there's a lot at play in there, but just basketball recruiting is so different than football where uh, you, you can use proximity to kind of help you out a little bit more in there. A lot of times basketball just has so many other layers going on it with, with shoe deals and everything that's happening. And there's not as much of a, a pull to, to necessarily need to stay close to home. But I will tell you this, Ohio State is crushing it in in the state of Ohio and basically getting the main guys they want, they're bringing them in unless, unless they're going to Kansas, Duke, uh, or North Carolina. Yeah, that's a lot of hurdles to overcome if you're someone trying to come into that state. Um, you know, Kind of a mixed bag of teams that will get into the state of Ohio. Certainly, Like I said, an interesting question, something to, uh, of course, keep an eye on as Wisconsin kind of moves forward. The the lifebloods and the the changes of recruiting are always so interesting to look at when you get kind of in-depth, like you mentioned that way. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. Uh, It was glad to, good to be back with you, and we'll be back, of course, later in the week. Um, We'll get into kind of some of those make-or-break situations that we mentioned. I think that should be a nice, fun exercise to keep that second week of of spring football going that way. So make sure to tune in. Thank you guys for listening today. As always, on Wisconsin.